make sure that you get data from source. It's measured from primary sources. It's not that you ask somebody to go and estimate or capture data across the whole value chain. If people start with accurate data from the ground up, then and only then when we, we get to an accurate picture. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Making of the SRE Omelette podcast, where we talk about how we achieve business and class success via the practice of site reliability engineering. Season two is all about how the practice of SRE can help and lead us to a more sustainable future. Here, talk about how to start your sustainability journey with measuring and reporting is Salil Narayanan. CTO of InVZ, because you can improve what you don't know. Welcome to the show, Sadio. Thank you very much, Kevin. It's a pleasure. Sadio, thank you for spending the time with us. And I can think of no better person to speak to this subject than you. Can you get us started on your personal journey that led to the role you have today? Yeah, look, I think my involvement with InVZ actually predates InVZ. In about 2005, I co-founded a business that was focused on energy management, which later merged with what became Envisi. Mm-hmm. Envisi started at around 2008. And in fact, even before that, the CEO of that company that we founded and myself used to own another business that did <laughs> payments before that. So it goes a long way. So anyway, right. that's where Envisi got started. We had this initial platform that did energy management. And then David Solsky found a business opportunity with sustainability, which was becoming an important area. Mm-hmm. And so Envisi got started and I had actually left that business and gone back to building banking products, which, which has been an area of focus before that. And then uh, once the business took off and found product market fit, I came back into the business and initially started and led the product team and then later focused on building solutions to drive sales and now focus on the development side of the business. And, you know, as, as one of the directors of the business, you would focus on anything that's needed at that time to drive the mm-hmm. business. So that's my personal journey. It's been a long one. And with this journey itself was it's interesting. So we initially started out focusing on managing energy, which then transitioned to managing emissions-related data. The platform we built was always flexible. So these changes in the industry and business requirements over time, we were able to deal with it using the same platform. So initially, there was a big expectation that sustainability management or more specifically emissions reporting would be a major business driver. In around 2005 to 2008, many, many companies got started globally. And it, it didn't turn out to be such a massive market. So a lot of companies failed and didn't do well. But Envisi did really well because we were in a good market. Australia had a good demand. There were legislation required people to report. And the GFC had affected many countries, but less of an impact in Australia. So we did well. And uh, we had lots of turns in our journey. You know, we went to focus on energy management, building optimization, mm-hmm. optimizing HVAC equipment and so on to drive emissions down. But the main problem of gathering sustainability data making sure you have a solid data management platform and ability to report that data in a compliant way to your clients, to your markets and to regulatory bodies and so on became more and more important. So our focus really is on that area. We tried to grow in different markets. We went into Asia, Africa, Europe mm-hmm. and the US and finally just focusing on in the US and UK and, and Australia as our key markets. 
We went and won lots of big logos, including IBM and so mm -hmm. on. And then uh, after 10 years, what we originally thought will finally happen, which is that sustainability <laughs> became a key, yeah, a key right. driver. And we believe that every organization in the world will now manage this data and most of them will buy software to deal with that. So that's become really big. And I think IBM's vision was the same. IBM wanted to drive right. into that area and we were already a client. So it was kind of a really good match to for the IBM to acquire us to drive our product and what we do more broadly into the world. Wow, what a fantastic journey and the finance is getting started. It's a big journey now ahead. I think there's a lot of work to be done, but we're well positioned in IBM to do that. So Leo, you guys definitely had the vision and started this path before sustainability was big and even mandated. I'm curious, what does sustainability mean to you and how has it changed over the last 10 years? From an Envisi perspective, we focus on one aspect, which is managing sustainability-related data. And a focus even within that on GHG emissions-related data. So it's a very specific focus we have. It's an important one and a very big problem in itself. Sustainability is a major objective, major problem, but what we deal with is just that data management and reporting, and that itself is important. And mm -hmm. sustainability is a very big space. We focus on this one aspect, but that aspect actually underpins making sustainability a mainstream business activity. So if you do not have data and you can't track it, I don't think it would have become a mainstream business focus You know that mm. every business drives. So I think it is an important one. So sustainability has, is changing over time. I think there's always been concern around sustainability in various ways. But I think the more recent driver in the last decade and going forward is the sustainability-related concerns around GHG emissions. And that's because of global warming and concerns around carbon emissions. So that's become a major focus. It's not the only thing in sustainability, obviously. There are lots of other environmental, social and other aspects to sustainability. But this is a core area of focus. And for us, that has been the main area. And I think that's what's made sustainability a key focus in business today or in government today and so on, is the emissions-related challenge. And that itself is very big. So yeah, for us, from an Envisi perspective, we focus on data management, especially on emissions. And Saleos, over those years, I'm sure you have seen many customers going through this journey, right? What are some of the top challenges you have seen them facing? We've been with many customers, many of them leaders in the world in this space for over a decade. So it is a journey for customers, right? It's a journey where they have to decide what they need to do. They could be driven by their own values. They have values around sustainability. Sometimes it's driven by commercial reasons as well, but they have a value around being more sustainable, having more efficient buildings or whatever. They're also driven by legislation and compliance requirements. So you need to record and report data. You need to, if you're a commercial property owner, they might have like an energy star rating you need to meet and so on. They have pressures from customers. Customers are watching out and they expect you to be sustainable. And also more recently, there's huge pressures from supply chains. People don't want to buy from companies that do not have clarity and transparency on right. their on their emissions or water use or waste generation or some other sustainability metrics. So there are many drivers. For them, it's a journey, you know, deciding what they need to do, what's driving it, and then how to go about it, then having a focus, maybe hiring a sustainability manager, gathering data, and then saying, okay, this is the position. How do we improve it? How do we actually go about doing mm -hmm. this without uh, impacting the business or without making huge losses? Uh, so you have to find ways of being sustainable 
in a cost-effective way, in a cost-efficient way, or even in a profitable way. Sometimes you can get sustainability right. goals that are actually profitable as well. So those are the major challenges customers face is actually deciding to take action and then making that mm. leap towards doing it. Nowadays, they're being helped along by these pressures, right? They, it's forced right. upon many. Many others in the early days, they were driven by their own drive and values and then sometimes commercial imperatives. But nowadays, they're driven by the supply chain, by legislation and so on. So the main, I think that's been their main challenge is actually deciding to take action. And then once you decide, figuring out what to do. Sometimes things get easy. For example, with renewable <laughs> energy prices dropping and renewable energy mm, being, being available, became easier for organizations to commit to something like a net zero because they can now buy renewable energy and get there and they can understand what the cost is and how to go about it. So life became easier to make that decision. Sometimes it's not that clear for other organizations. That's their main challenge. It is a little like carrots and sticks, right? Both motivated by the market or being asked by the legislatures. Yeah, a lot of times businesses are recognizing that sustainable options are not just required for sustainability outcomes, mm -hmm. but they are actually required for the longevity of the business. Right. So for example, if you are into automobiles and you decide not to look at electric cars, your business might be might not survive it because the world is moving that <laughs> yes. way. And if you're a power generator and you decide to stick with coal, you might not be around in 10, 20 years' very time. True. So it's become very, very different now. Yeah, actually, in many ways, like technology, as much as I love token re-networking, I mean, sticking around with that probably yeah. would, that would lead me to nowhere. <laughs> exactly. I think that's, uh, that's part of it. it. It has become a really important aspect of business and government and, and politics and everything else. Yeah. Definitely. And at the beginning of the episode, we mentioned to drive change, you have to have visibility. So what are some of the blockers to get visibility that you have seen for the customers? Visibility, it's difficult to get a full picture of your sustainability metric, whatever that might be. Let's say you want to understand how much water mm -hmm. you use or how much pollutants you generate or how much of uh, scope one, two or three emissions you're responsible for or what uh, emissions component of your products you buy from your supply chain. This information is not available, right? has not been, and it's very difficult to get by. So visibility basically boils down to having access to that data. And it is still completely early days for that, especially when it relates to your supply chain and scope three. It's the next wave where you need to get good data. A lot of them are, a lot of those are estimations nowadays, estimations based on spend or estimations based on different things. There's a lot of work to be done in getting good data. So yeah, I think the blockers to visibility is always data. And if it might, it might be as simple as I don't know how much electricity I use, which is an easy problem to solve. You get meters or billing data, mm -hmm. but it gets harder when you look at your actual value chain. And Sadeo, I'm curious, is the problem solved once a customer have the data and the reports? No, no, it, it's not at all, right? That's just a very important first step, but it's not, it doesn't even start solving the problem. So access to good data and then being able to report on it is a first step. Usually that is a start of the journey to improve on sustainability metrics. So you get hold of data, you measure and you report so that you can then improve on that. And so that's the start of the journey. And a good example is you manage to track down all of your electricity use. Then you'd say, okay, I'm going to go net zero with respect to my energy use. So you move to uh, electricity and then you buy renewable energy and you get there. So that's, that's the outcome is the action you take. So yeah, it's just a start of the journey, but without measuring it and tracking against it, 
you can't actually make an impact. And it's an important one because if there's no pressure to act accurately measure this and report that, and it's not mm-hmm. required, you know, the regulations are not there to report this accurately and it's not audited, you have no, no way of knowing what's happening and companies that may spend on sustainable outcomes may, may be disadvantaged. So I think it's a journey. This is just the start of it. Getting the data is just the first step. It's not the outcome <laughs> at all, right? I mean, it might be an right. outcome from, oh, I need to comply with this report, but that's... Maybe it's a milestone yeah. to start, yeah. yeah. Speaking of the next step and the reporting, are there best practices that you can share with the audience here? What are the things to do? And just as important, what are the things not to do with the data and reports? I think the, one of the things to do is make sure that you get data from source. Make sure that it's mm. as accurate as possible or as close to the source as possible. So if you are measuring, let's say, your fuel use or uh, water use or electricity use, or et cetera, for scope one and two, that it's measured from primary sources. It's not that you ask somebody to go and estimate or capture data <laughs> or something like that. Right. I think that's pretty much you can get to your bills or your meters and so on. So that's you. if you need, you are accurate mm-hmm. about that. When you reflect that into the value chain, then your scope three reporting also becomes accurate. What are all the inputs that go into your products you manufacture, how much energy, how much materials and so on. So I think that's one of the more important things is across the whole value chain, if people start with accurate data from the ground up, then and only then would Mm -hmm. would we get to an accurate picture. So I think that's one of the important things. The second thing is to follow standards. So how do you recognize, attribute things like renewable energy that you generate, the sources of energy that you use, what emission factors they have, how much of it do you attribute to your own business versus you don't, for example, if you've leased spaces out, how do you deal with that? So there are rules around how you report mm-hmm. the data. So you do need to follow that and you do need to be transparent. And if you are not, you can get into trouble. I think recently we have something, a big airline in the US being class action against them for report greenwashing and so on. So yeah, the best practice is to get good data, manage it accurately and mm. uh, have it audited and checked just like you would do with any, any other financial data. If you report your wrong sales <laughs> yes. numbers and so on, I think that's where sustainability data is going. It's making its way into financial mm-hmm. reporting. I see a lot of customers acquiring the same controls that you apply to financial data being required of sustainability data. So yeah. So Salil, once you have good data, which comes from getting it closer from the source and verified, what's next? It depends on the organization. If you're driven by objectives around sustainability, then the next step mm-hmm. is to put a lot of resource focus and action into that. So the leaders in the space have been doing that and they would have goals like I mentioned if you're into manufacturing you would try and reduce the waste uh, generation pollution pollutants and so on that's one aspect or GHG related impacts you would buy renewable energy and so on so it's about action if you are a commercial real estate owner and it will be about making the facilities more energy efficient again moving to renewable energy and so on I think the challenging step is taking action and making a sustained multi-year commitment to improving Mm. those outcomes. I think it's become easier for people to do this now because they are required to do so. They're required to do so for survival. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the the market demands that, your clients demand that, 
And a lot of times, if you don't do it, you might be out of business. So that becomes easy. It was yeah, harder when you didn't have those risks. You're not driven by compliance or risk and you wanted yeah, to make a change. Yeah. I think we were involved, lucky to be involved with many companies who were doing it because they wanted to and they were leaders. Mm -hmm. That was more yeah. exciting. But nowadays, it's it's, it's really <laughs> good that it's happening. But if but there, people are forced yeah. into it, which is a good thing. So I think the step was more challenging when it wasn't mandatory or required to make that commitment. Nowadays, I think it is easier because you have to, you don't have an option. So the next step is easier. Uh, you still have to go and execute on it, but making that decision is easier now. It's forced upon many. It is interesting you mentioned that, Sadeo. It is very much like the days when reliability features were an afterthought. But when customers' demands and expects a reliable and performing system, SRE has become front and center of IT today. And it is a perfect time to bring this episode closer to site reliability engineering. Sadeo, I'm curious, what does sustainability mean to you in the context of reliability engineering? I think there are two parts to it. One is making software more reliable and more efficient, which then makes it consume less resources, generate less emissions, and so on. But the bigger picture is that everything that, at least in the areas that Envisi is involved in, or a huge part of sustainability management in general involves software. Software drives everything in the world, right? So mm -hmm. whether it's gathering data, you have meters, sensors, entire grids, utility grids, sensor networks, industrial manufacturing sensors, all of that is software. So SRE and software in general plays a key role in managing sustainability data. Software plays a key role in implementing change, tracking and managing and making sure that systems operate in a more sustainable way, they reduce their emissions. So I think we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that the entire mm -hmm. world is run by software and SRE plays a key role in any outcome. If you're in a hospital and your objective is to make sure patients do not die, SRE becomes really important. You don't want those systems to crash and people die. Similarly, if you want to track, manage and make improvements to some sustainability metric, let's say you don't want uh, pollution or you don't want to increase uh, GHG emissions, and maybe you're in an oil well and you don't want to vent too much methane, or whatever the goal is, software plays a key role. So I think SRE plays a role across the entire chain in ensuring mm -hmm. that systems that you use to track, monitor, and manage and get sustainability outcomes are reliable and doing their job. I think that's the bigger impact SRE has on, mm -hmm. on sustainability. Nicely captured. SRE is essential for how software operates, and it's no different for sustainability. Yeah. Whatever the goal is, right? It's not limited to sustainability. I think mm -hmm. if you want to report your financials accurately, you need to make sure that all your systems across the entire organization manage that data accurately and report on it correctly. And with sustainability, software plays a big role in making sure you have actions taken and tracked and managed. So your outcomes really depend on good data. So somewhat related to the previous question, what is your take on sustainability as it relates to energy footprint and efficiency? So I think it is just one part of it, but it is very important one. And, you know, Invisi's background is in that space, especially when you start off by trying to measure your own scope one and two footprint with, with respect to emissions, it really boils down to energy footprint and efficiency, how much fuels and scope one you have, as well as how much you know electricity or scope two that you consume and so on. So energy efficiency 
and your energy footprint is directly correlated to your scope one and two emissions. So that's definitely a one-to-one relationship there. And most organizations start with that, trying to make sure that they use either less energy and have a smaller footprint, or when they have to use energy, that that becomes renewable. I think longer term, reducing energy use will not be a goal, and we will use as much energy as we need because energy is going to be renewable and it's not going to have a negative impact. But until such time, you do want to make it efficient. And then that feeds into everything. So if everyone does that, then naturally your big source of emissions, which is your mm-hmm. scope three, will also become less. If everyone in the value chain reduces their energy footprint, it has a direct impact on the emissions footprint. So I think that's where the relationship comes in. Energy efficiency relates to reduced emissions because a lot of our energy sources are emissions intensive. In the future, that will not be the case as renewables become the majority source of energy, then energy efficiency is not a requirement, but it is right now. Great insight. As energy source becomes renewable, consumption becomes less of a concern as it relates to sustainability. So it reminds me of the days when we had to optimize our one gigabyte JVN because scaling out took days. As scaling became easier and since unbounded, JVN optimization is now less of a concern. So there are, I'm also curious, without naming names, what are some of the big finds you have seen from customers that surface found reporting? Over a decade of working with hundreds of clients, you hear a lot of interesting stories mm-hmm. and unexpected things. A lot of them are actually financial. A lot of customers oh. start tracking and then they realize that they've been paying huge amounts of uh, <laughs> utility bills for buildings that they left years ago or funny stories <laughs> like that. Or some one customer had huge water use and then they went and saw that they are actually paying for water use in, the, in a whole sh- in part of a shopping center and so on. So <laughs> it, it, is, it is interesting. It's financial. Right. But there's also wastage of water leaks or energy mm. being left on. So we've had some clients who've saved tens of millions of dollars and they have actually testified to that. It's not because of our software, obviously. It's because they've been diligent in trying to find problems and fix them and be more efficient. They wouldn't have been able to do that without data and software, but right. not, uh, it really is about the client wanting to achieve something. We've kind of run into a lot of clients telling us about these interesting things that they found, mostly relating yeah. to financial uh, wastage and also energy, water, and other environmental things. Very interesting stories here. Thank you for sharing those interesting stories. And Sadeo, I think you've been too humble there. Credit to the customers for asking those questions. And software like Invisi definitely makes it easier to surface opportunities of optimization. And speaking of forgotten office buildings, I know I probably have a few dev environments and instances I have forgotten over the years. I should probably go and check and clean them out. Yeah, yeah. From an SRE perspective, I'm pretty sure that everyone's running a lot of servers and software that no one's using <laughs> needs to be decommissioned, you know. So I think that, yeah, yeah I know, I, you know, like even personally, you subscribe to all these things and you may never be using them. So I think just being finding wastage true, uh, true, on true. compute resources would be an interesting exercise. You don't know that you need to turn something off because, you know, you don't know what the consequence of turning it off is. So you leave them on forever. <laughs> Definitely. So, so Leo, a, a big part of this podcast is technical vitality. Given your entrepreneurial spirit that led you to co-founding VZ, any advices you have 
for cyber liability engineers to help lead us to achieve our sustainability goals? Yeah, I think the entrepreneurial spirit is one that is not related to just starting a business or something mm-hmm. like that. It is one that you have in large organizations. Uh, well, for example, it's topical for us right now. IBM software is trying to be much more entrepreneurial in nature, mm-hmm. really improve our outputs and number of clients we get and so on. So I think all of us are required to change the way we operate to be more entrepreneurial within the organization to make sure mm-hmm. we are more agile in terms of reacting to the client, the market, and winning more customers and give, providing more value to our customers. So I think that is expected of all of us. SRE is no exception to that. I think we are expected, and I think we all should think entrepreneurially, and that if this is our business, how would we go about making it more efficient? How would we go about making it more valuable to our clients? How would we solve more problems? How would we be more effective in the market in how we sell, how we support, how we enable other people to use it? And a lot of that comes down to SRE. If our platforms are not reliable, efficient, we can't scale them, mm-hmm. their performance is poor, then our objectives around that we have of uh, significantly increasing our output, number of clients, logos, product-led growth, all of these require change, massive change mm-hmm. for us to be much quicker and also to be more entrepreneurial. And that may not be the way it's normally described, but that is actually part of it. So yeah, I think SRE has to play a key role in making sure that we, these difficult and interesting, exciting challenges that we have to meet those objectives, that they are taken on seriously. And it's a great opportunity. Only a small part of entrepreneurial activity in the world relates to starting a new company or something like that. You might do that once in your life, but the rest of it is actually within an organization. Once you start a business, whether that's a small one or a Mm -hmm. big one like IBM, you still have to be on your feet. You have to think entrepreneurially every day and, and become a better product, a better team, a better company. And yeah, I think it's a universal thing. That is a unique perspective. And I love it take ownership, correct, regardless of the size of the company, see what we can do to make our customers happy, give them more value, and drive changes to get there. And SRE on the right spot, as SRE is essential to improving our efficiency of scale and velocity to get there. And with it, we have arrived at the final question. And it goes back to the inspiration of the podcast. Salil, what is your ingredient and recipe for companies to turn their sustainability reporting into actions? I think you do need to have a vision and a rallying call around some objective because without that, you can't drive the change needed. So I, I think that will be my feeling is that you need to have a vision and a clear objective and that'll let you change your reporting into action. So if you do not have a a call around, look, we are going to achieve this, or we need to be net zero, or we're going to mm-hmm. stop polluting this waterway, or whatever the objective is. It has to be a high-level rallying call, and that, I think, is the important thing. And then if you have that, you can make things happen, uh, especially from turning reporting into action. Reporting with no actions doesn't achieve anything. <laughs> Definitely. Reporting without action is just more meetings. Yeah. And I can't agree more. Having that inspirational vision 
it's important for people to know the destination as well as motivation. Salil, it's been a pleasure. I learned so much. And thank you for spending the time with us today. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. It's uh, you, You're doing a great entrepreneurial thing here by having this <laughs> podcast. That's an example, right, of being doing something within an organization. It's a great initiative you have. It's awesome. Salil, you're too kind. You're welcome back anytime. <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks, Kevin. I also like to thank you, the audience, for listening. I am Kevin Yu, Principal SRE of IBM Sustainability Software. See you on future episode where we continue to talk about how the practice of SRE can lead us to a more sustainable future. Mm-hmm.